This is Ruby Boots. When I'm not busy drinking biscuits and tea, I'm listening to The Jukebox Graduate. Thank you so much, Ruby. I'm Eugene Edwards. And I'm Dave Rayburn. And we're the Jukebox Graduate. Dave, how you doing? Tremendous, my friend. I haven't seen you in so damn long. It's been a long time. Yeah. Just pay the ransom, will you? <laughs> I love that joke. You've been stuck in that cave for... They're all out. Yes. They're all out as of this morning. So now here's the... Th- so my, my wife and my daughter are certified scuba divers. Are they? Yeah. Yeah. I, I haven't... I don't have... I didn't... I'm not because I haven't had time to take the because le- the lessons are on weekends and you have to go out and you do your dives weekends. And yeah, on weekends. it's a lot to dive into. <sighs> so um, the, uh, the the deal there was because we we did a we we went on vacation. The girls went for like two weeks mm-hmm. down to Roatan, which is a, an island on the Caribbean side of, of Honduras, and I joined them for one week. Right, so while they're scuba diving, I'm snorkeling. Right. That's because. So, and by the way, that's that's a that code. No, no, it's, no. <laughs> I was snorkeling in Honduras. Those are air quotes. Yeah. <laughs> by the way, I taped something in the undercarriage of your truck. Just so when don't go over the speed limit. Oh, well, I'm taping something right now. Oh, no, not no, oh. not this sort of taping. Anyway, I've already annoyed myself. How far are we into the show? <laughs> so I'm I'm in the boat and. You, and I, I see my wife and child just fall off the edge of the boat into the Caribbean Sea and just di- and just sink down into invisibility. Right, like I'm watching them just go underwater to the point where I can't see them. And I turn to the guy who's the terrifying. second mate who's on the boat. I look at him. I said, "Did I just pay for that?" <laughs> so. But they love it. It's it's, it, and I'm really really proud of my daughter. She's she's a natural wow, at this sort of stuff. And um, but and then this story breaks the mm-hmm. the Thai soccer team thing. And I remember thinking, I was like, wow, well, I mean, and now that they're all safe, I'll brag. I thought, well, if that were my kid stuck <laughs> in the cave, her attitude is just, well, just get me this vest, get me the BCD, and I'm out of here. You know, like just, get, I just, I need a tank, <laughs> and I'm be the team leader. I'm, let's go. Let's 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 hustle out of here. Um. With with most endeavors, uh, when you're raising a kid, if you remember, it was sort of mm-hmm. like uh, um, there are certain things. You know, some kids are just they're afraid to learn how to ride a bicycle, and some kids are, they're afraid to learn how to swim. There's certain fears they have, and you have to push them past those fears. Now, on the bicycle thing for a while, which she's fine now, she can ride. But in fact, do you see my Father's Day gift right there, parked next to? Oh, is that way. yours? That's mine. That's my bike, dude. Yeah, man. So that's nice. That's nice. Are you gonna steal it? The way you're I, looking at it. Well, my, Trucks. Okay, you've seen enough. Don't look at it anymore. All right. We're done. It's a very Uh, nice bicycle. Thank you. Um, You deserve it. With the bicycle thing, I really was like, yeah, if you don't want to learn, you don't really have to. It's not life or death. But with swimming, you have to. That's that could be life or death. Kids should learn how to swim. So um, and so this and this, of course, me being like, well, not necessarily father of the year, but I get the newspaper point. I said, see, this is why you have to learn how to swim. <laughs> she's, reinforcement. she's an ace. She swims better than I do at this point. So, right, But but anyway, I, I love the, the Thai soccer team story because of what people can do. I mean, this is superhero stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and now living in a house with a couple of divers, I realize just how hard it is. I mean, yeah. you're exhausted after 
yeah, I, I, after a certain amount of time down there, because that those vests are heavy, and mm-hmm. you're carrying that thing. But these guys, man. And by the way, you've been in a, for two weeks. You haven't been eating, so you're right. Yeah. The street. Oh my God! It's I. I can't wait to hear more and more details of of uh, of how they plan that rescue. There's no visibility, yeah. all that sort of stuff. I, I and how been, tight the you know those little oh one point tunnels are. You right? couldn't go through with your tank. You had to. Yeah, they're like just little crevices, yeah, right? Yeah, I, I, yeah. yeah, I thought I saw some video, and I'm like, what? Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah. <laughs> my no, heart no, started really. palpitating. I, I, oh no, it's 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 extraordinary stuff. So so congratulations to wow. all the, yeah, the people, and and our condolences to the family of the diver who right. who didn't survive, um, but. Uh, but, but yeah, good work, everybody. Yes. Great work. Uh, so anyway, uh, are we done? That's it. That's the show. Yeah. Thanks everybody for tuning in to diving Sorry, with no, Eugene. No, no, seriously, what do we? Uh, no. Um, <laughs> you know, there, there's a, a new channel in town on if you, if you guys have uh, Sirius XM satellite radio, um, the Bakersfield beat is the new uh, themed channel, the Dwight Yoakam channel, and that's been going on for. Uh, a month or two now a few months, yeah and uh, i've been tuning in it's some great yeah, stuff i'm hearing like you know you of course you'll hear a lot of dwight including the new singles mm-hmm. you'll hear some buck owens but then you'll hear like the knitters and then you'll hear some tracks going back to the 60s well, by he, artists i've never heard of he handpicks all that stuff yeah it sounds it sounds handpicked not his tunes he, no no anything I, that's not a dwight yeah. tune I, I that's him a lot of birds a, yeah a lot of birds some graham parsons monkeys yeah yeah, I no no you you get a good idea of how wide of a of an of an uh, of a background of an influence base, if you will, mm-hmm. uh, that he has. Uh, and and uh, it's, I mean, I hear stuff. I actually have to force myself to not text him every time I tune in that station because I'm tempted <laughs> to like, what, what was that track? Where did that come from? So um, no, it's 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 a great listen. I, I had a great evening once. Sorry. Um, Actually, while the girls were were in in Honduras, and I had to stay, I had to hang back for a few days to to tape one of the shows for Dwight's channel. Mm. And uh, it was a night of, I think it was a, it was an NBA playoff between the the Rockets and Warriors. And I was hanging out with Brian Whelan and uh, Lee Pardini, oh yeah, keyboardist mm-hmm. from uh, from Dawes. So we watched the game at a place in the neighborhood, and uh, I invited them back here to the house, and we I. We lit a fire in the backyard and 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 just blasted that channel uh, late into the night, hanging out. Great time, and it's a it's a great 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 uh, listen. Yeah, you know, so there's that that Bakersfield sound that like or just the heart of Bakersfield, mm-hmm. right? The the artists that came from there and came through there. But think of it as like a puddle, you know, like that's a big puddle of water. You splash through that puddle and it splashes off over there, and now there's water over. There. I mean, it's mm-hmm. like it it reaches all around to like these artists and bands that kind of are on the, the fringe and the, the, the slight style differences, but still they're feeling that influence. Yeah. I think Baker's, and of course anything I say here is going to, it should be uh, eclipsed by anything Dwight says on his show that he, that we do mm-hmm. weekly for his channel. Uh, and it also plays on the prime country uh, station as well, which is the big, big country station on XM. Uh, so um, I guess the idea of Bakersfield, uh, particularly with, particularly particularly with Buck was the guy who really sort of just defined how well we're not going to do it Nashville's way mm-hmm. um, credit goes to this guy named Ken Nelson who was the A&R guy at Capitol um, as soon as Capitol decided well let's have a, a country music division of our label and Ken Nelson you know produced 
Merle and Buck and uh, just uh, and Bonnie Owens and uh, the Wanda Jackson stuff done there in the sixties. Anyway, but he was—he's a guy from Minnesota. Um, he had a great ear, but he also had the good sense and or taste to just let those guys play how they played. Um, he expected everyone to show up on time, prepared, rehearsed, know what you're doing, but mm. he didn't really dictate how things should go. Who who would know better than Buck and his band? Who would know better than Merle and his band? Mm-hmm. Um, so, there, yeah, those records don't sound... Now, also, we, we should talk about gear. Um, one of the factors of, the, of when we're talking about the Bakersfield sound mm-hmm. is that being that as they were based in California, the closest large, in terms of guitars at least, the largest manufacturer around was Fender. And Fender was... You know, excited to get these guitars into players' hands. Um, also, Moserite, who most people knows most, you know Moserite guitars uh, in the hands of uh, of the Ramones, Johnny Ramones specifically, yeah. uh, or the Ventures. But um, you know, a lot of and but they were based in Bakersfield, so mm-hmm. a lot of guys there that were playing those clubs had, and by the '60s were getting Moserite guitars, which also had very very aggressive, high treble sounding, much like a Telecaster, a Fender Telecaster mm-hmm. would. Anyway. And the steel players would would use a Fender like a, a, a Fender four hundred usually, which is a very aggressive sounding steel. Um, it it uh, doesn't have as many pedals and levers as the as the showbeds and things that were being made in Nashville that the Nashville musicians would be using. So, the instruments were aggressive okay. and bold. Um, the Nashville instruments, Gibson, showbud, those stuffs are a little more crafted and a little smoother. So there's a lot of things that go into this, but but yes, by the time, um, even by let's say by the 70s or 80s, when we can say we can argue that maybe not a lot of music was being produced out of Bakersfield anymore, uh, you certainly I think had some kindred stuff happening, particularly in Texas, um, because these again were a lot of Austin, Houston. Steve Earle coming out of San Antonio sure. originally. A lot of those guys, again, these were people who just didn't fit into Nashville's thing. Mm-hmm. So the Bakersfield sound as a broader thing could almost somewhat, in terms of American music, you might define anything that doesn't quite work in Nashville is almost inherently a Bakersfield sound <laughs> <laughs> or, or is related to it, you know. Um, but so everything I've just said, you could just completely erase it if you want to and just tune in and listen to Dwight speak to his guests and and because uh, the the show we do is uh, it's it's just uh, I'm really really glad he's doing the show and the guests that we've had uh, I don't know, I'm just really really grateful that 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 there are conversations with these folks um, yeah are there is that show on Mondays I th- God I want to say but I think they may also even be on demand I may have they to... are oh no no they are use the app the app okay the, for any of you XM people out there use the app and everything you can dial them up and, and listen through they're wonderful uh, going back to the gear mm-hmm. um, and the whole Bakersfield thing didn't it was about a year ago didn't you uh, do a preset for uh, a Fender amp yeah that's right yeah they yeah they did a modular I don't think that's the right word, uh, but they did a, a an amp that has sets uh, sounds already preset into them, and they yeah. just hundreds and hundreds. But yeah, that was uh, one of the things I that they asked me to to do, and and I kind of came up with something that was um, related to Bakersfield, certainly, and then and then I kind of threw in a little bit of what makes up or what helped make up the cowpunk thing of the early eighties. Sure. We made it a little because somebody from Fender had already. Uh, on a pure Bakersfield 60s oh, sound. So you needed I, to so, do a, a variant. So I, had to, I had to do a, a, yeah, a variance of that, which I was honored to do. That's awesome. Honored to do. Um, 
So. Now, what is that available on? Which which model is out? That uh, the Mustang GT. Ah, so kids, you can be just like Gene. You can be just like Buck. <laughs> um, you can be just like anyone you want on that on that thing. You you dial up a preset and sort of like it's 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 a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. Uh, and then I, and it has a Bluetooth hookup and uh, oh yeah, we were supposed to do a demo of that, weren't we? Uh, they still got to send one. We can do that down the road. Yeah, yeah. I that got, would be great. I, It'd be great to do a demo on the show. Because you know you're you're all right. Yeah. Yeah. Play, you know five chords, right? If I'm showing off, I do. Not nearly as many as Jimmy Page. <laughs> Sloppy, uh, tight but loose. Uh, so anyway, yeah, that's the so the, the shows are, are fun to do. Now, what's your participation in the show when when you're when you're there? What do you what do you see? What do you get to do? Well, I don't want to pull the curtain back too much, but it, it's wonderful. I mean, we'll generally the band will know who the guest is. You know, up when day of usually, and, and Dwight may say, "Hey, you know, you might want to listen to this song or this song," with an eye towards playing with the guest. Um, so Dwight may, you know, just like, "Yeah, take a listen to this song of theirs," or, or, uh, and so we arrive and we kind of, you know, have a, a loose idea, and it's all acoustic instruments. Just grab an acoustic guitar. So you're in. set up to play music. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. The, the band we just come in at the end to to, to jam basically. Okay. You know, Dwight has a conversation with the guest, um, and and uh, James Austin uh, is is also kind of the bit of the co-host. He's kind of helps keep the record straight because he's a he's a he worked at Rhino Records for a long time. Okay, has a, he knows he knows. Um, and what's great though is is I, I and then so we have an idea when we get there, but then anything anything can happen. <laughs> so while we're waiting to go in and play we're also listening to the conversation because frankly anything can happen in that dialogue that may indicate oh it could turn you to a certain direction where you need to be ready for that yes oh that might be oh, maybe you know he, they might just he might decide to do that one instead you know so mm-hmm. so you're listening to the conversation and we had uh, i think it's already aired the jackie DeShannon episode i think that's the newest one yeah yeah um which of course i was flipping out when i thought that she was gonna be <laughs> on there uh Tremendous singer and what yeah. a great, great songwriter. And yeah. I'm going in my head. I'm thinking, oh, it's it could be uh, every time you walk in the room. Oh it could God. be needles and pins. Yes, it could be. I'm thinking of that classic <laughs> pop stuff. But then you also, you know, um, you put a little love in your heart. Mm-hmm. Uh, hell, I was ready for she's got Betty Davis eyes. I mean, I mean she, she's written a lot of huge, huge songs. Um, so. And in that conversation, yeah, they would mention songs, and, and I'm, so I'm just transcribing songs as fast as I can for the band because like, it could be this one, and it could be this one, it could be this one. Um, and uh, but I'll let you guys listen to the show, and you'll know what what, what actually happened. But but that's a really fun uh, as a musician. Mm-hmm. It's really great to engage in that part of your brain, the really fast uh, reaction to following a, a, a live. A, a, to follow a conversation and try and have an idea of we might we should be prepared for this or this or this yeah and um but i've already had the chance to play with with some people i never thought i'd have the chance to play with and it's all just thanks to dwight and his idea of this show and as i said on the first one we taped um he was in there chatting with the guest for a while and then he came out and just like oh i don't know how that you know how that was just like how that was that the was it jacob dylan has that aired I want to say that's one I've heard. It was Jacob, but I'm not sure if it's aired or not. So that that's the only reason I don't know if I want to. But I guess that's researchable, isn't it? Um, 
uh, yeah, it was with Jacob. And just hearing them speak, I, I told Dwight, I said, well, this is, if I were to explain this to, to someone what the show's like, is it feels like you're on the bus with Dwight at about two in the morning listening to tunes and you know, he's talking about music. And what's great is when he, he can't, you know, he'll just play a, a bit of a tune from his phone, you know, just like right. as, as, as things come, as he's talking to a guest and he'll say, oh, listen to this. And, and it's just like when musicians listen to music, when, when we listen to music together, we always talk over it. Right? <laughs> we're always talking over it. And then, then we, and we're talking, we're jabbing it. We're right here, this part right here. Technique. This part right here. No, this part right here. That, you know, we'll, we'll do, and then we'll, yeah. we'll talk over the second verse completely, <laughs> but we just wanted you to hear that drum fill sure. getting in. So that's what it's like. I mean, this is, is this is, it's is very much like hanging mm-hmm. out with Dwight Yoakam. It's, is I mean, that's just, that's my take on that's it. That's cool. Um, so anyway, so we always look forward to uh, every, every taping. It's always an experience and it's just, it gets more fun as we go along, especially as we get a better idea of, of what we're doing. So the show is called Greater Bakersfield. That's right. On the Bakersfield Beat, the Correct. Dwight Yoakam channel on Sirius XM. Tune in, all kinds of fun. And again, like I said, great selection, great range of songs from mm-hmm. different decades, some slightly different outside genres. Yeah. You know, it's it's really a nice surprise. Yeah. Um, now, you mentioned getting a chance to play with some people mm-hmm. that you just adore being able to play with. Yeah. Now, there was a clip I saw recently online, uh-huh. a little backstage clip from the LSD tour that's currently happening. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's you and the boys. The boys, yeah. Dwight. Yeah. Steve Earle. Steve Earle. Lucinda Williams. Lucinda Williams. Tell me about that. So uh, the LSD tour, it's Lucinda, Steve, Dwight, were worth the trip. Um, of started off in Boston a few weeks ago. And um, it's just... It's, it's a love fest. Also, it has uh, King Leg comes out. Of course, yeah. It has yeah. a 20-minute set. So, uh, great night of music, long night of music. And it was just after, the second show was in New York City at the Beacon. Mm. And um, so, yeah, Dwight got the idea. I was like, oh, we should, you know, I'll do something at the end. Steve, Lucinda, and Dwight. So, we thought as a, as kind of a nice theme song, Dim Lights, Thick Smoke, and Loud, mm. Loud Music was probably That's the, right, yeah. the right thing to, right. to say. <laughs> um, and we went out and, uh, and did it uh, like we do with our full electric setup, and um, it which was a lot of fun. And then I think maybe the next night or so, I don't know, maybe we did it again that way. Uh, it's getting blurry already, but <laughs> then it was like, well, what if we did like a real hillbilly version of it and kind of grabbed acoustic instruments, you know, uh, grab a a fiddle and a mandolin yeah. and that sort of thing. So I think what you're seeing there is probably us just kind of running it by Steve and Lucinda to see how, how you know, for this acoustic hillbilly version. Yeah. Just yeah. to see how they, how, what do you, what do you think about doing it this way? And that's kind of, you're just watching these three masterful singers, yeah. um, figure something out on the fly, really. And even by the end of that clip, yeah, their reactions are like, yeah, this is it. This is it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and uh, yeah, I think Steve says something to that to that effect. And so, you, re- I mean, you're watching a very organic moment happening to yeah. those three people. That was so cool. And, and how they, they feel their way through, through music, you know. And it's three people who they know music very, very, mm-hmm. very well. Um, it's great. This tour has been fantastic. It, it's great to uh, get to hang out with other sidemen uh, and women. I've, I've, I throw Eleanor from uh, 
from from Steve's band in right. the mix as well. Um, uh, because that's a perspective as a musician that it's a unique one. Um, we're all very. It's what's great is everybody really respects and 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 uh, is very respectful towards their their boss. So um, it's and it's great. It's like just knowing that we all share a very very similar role in the careers of the people we work for and the responsibilities we have. And mm-hmm. and there's um, uh, it's uh, I, I think there's a documentary on Netflix called Sidemen, which I haven't seen. Oh, but. Um, I, what I think is is a I, of course maybe it's in the documentary or not, but I've always I'm always uh, curious to have conversations with other musicians who play for an artist who has a deep catalog of of, of stuff, and there's this sort of thing where you just got to play the part. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a part you have a responsibility to play the part like it is on the record, mm-hmm. um, and and keeping it fresh, being respectful to the part. Um, and I remember, uh, a friend of mine, Brian Head, he plays drums for uh, Roger Hodgson from Oh yeah, Supertramp. Yeah, and he told me they were and which and they're Supertramp is huge in France, right? Yeah. So he Brian was playing a and again Supertramp very specific parts. You know, I mean, like you just anything from that Breakfast in America record. Just yeah. like if someone's not playing the part, it just would sound off because we heard those records over yeah. and over again on FM radio. I think Dave Carpenter's on uh, in that band as well. That's uh, right. Yeah. You know, Dave? Yeah. How do you know Dave? Uh, John Doe, Dead Rock West. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's well, that makes sense. Okay. Yeah, I had it's funny. I uh, last year I went and saw um, Dead Rock West do their album release show at McCabe's. Uh-huh. And I don't I don't think I talked about this yet, but um, after the show, I'm hanging out and I'm talking with, you know, Cindy and um, mm-hmm. Frank Lee and uh, Jeff Perlman. And so I'm sitting there talking with Jeff Perlman and I'm, we're talking about the podcast and oh. and he mentions, oh, yeah, Eugene, I know we know each other. Oh, yeah, and, go back. and then all of a sudden somebody comes walking up with a phone and faces it to us. And suddenly we're FaceTiming with Dave Carpenter, who was in Canada mm-hmm. at the time just came off stage just finished a show with a super tramp while i'm in the lobby at or in the the main storeroom at mccabe's post show with uh-huh. jeff perlman and they just start having this conversation <laughs> and like and he's all man because he loves dead he loves being in dead rock uh-huh. west and this is the one show he couldn't he couldn't, he couldn't do mm-hmm. <clears throat> and i think he, they got uh taraz to, oh, cool. to fill yeah. in that night and but anyway he was like I so would be there if I could. I'm so sorry, but I I wanted to call and say hi. And so we were having this fun little conversation there. But yeah, so I, I've been following um, Dave on, on social media. And gotcha. He's been posting um, from the, these large, great <laughs> venues they're playing. And it's like, yeah. well, this is so great to see people I know being able to experience something like oh, that. Oh, it's a thrill. And to be able to play a catalog, you know, like, uh, yes. you know, and Brett uh, is also being able to play the Chicago, Chicago. catalog, uh-huh. you know, and so it's like, wow, what? is that like well yeah so that's so brian the drummer for roger so they're doing some festival in paris or something it's a huge it's like a soccer stadium it's some ridiculous yeah so they're doing uh was it the logical song right the intro so it the castanets are at the top of that right so they start the logical song and it's like and then the castanets go right so brian kind of like a you know stands like stands up, you know <laughs> puts the castanets up to a microphone for a big majestic strike of the castanets. I don't know what you call it. So, yeah. So blot and blot, and he goes, eh, and 
the cast nets just go into several pieces. Oh, no. Flying out to the <laughs> no. audience. <laughs> just, oh, well, that's not how that goes. Uh, so he's got to figure out how to make some rattling sound. With something else that's handy. Right. But here's the kicker. Turns out that that set of castanets, that's the one that they use on the actual recording. What? It's in the percussion box. It's just, it's the, it's the same one. <laughs> he just and now it's them. destroyed. He just tossed them into the, <laughs> oh. so fortunately, I think, so fortunately they fell into the little pit area. Oh yeah, between yeah, between the, the yeah. And, and security to recover them. They put them back, but I'm sure he's like, can we just stop by somewhere tomorrow and get another pair of castanets? Maybe we should <laughs> just use the exact same pair. Yeah. Um, so that, I, that was one of my favorite side men stories. Like, you idiot! <laughs> What'd you do to my castanets? He goes, well, why are we using the real why ones? Why are you bringing this stuff on tour? <laughs> so um, anyway, so uh, yeah, it's, it's great to hang out with these guys. And also it's, it's you know, I don't think I'll really kind of get used to the fact like just coming down to lobby the hotel on a day off and there's Steve Earle. Hmm. And just sit down and just chat with Steve Earle. Yeah. And, um, and Steve's a talker. Yeah, uh, I talked with him once and it was I, I did an interview with him, a phone interview. Mm-hmm. And I got to say, it was probably the most intimidating one I've ever done. <laughs> and um, I'm sure he's got a lot of great stories, certainly from the people. I mean, it's it, tremendous. It, heartworn, hi, heartworn highways, mm-hmm. that documentary that with Guy Clark and all, yeah. you know, that whole gang. Yeah. And he was just, you know, the new kid on the block at the time. But oh, to have he, that experience and be under the wing he of he has. Great stories. His references will be just like, well, he told me a great one involving Billy Bragg and Tom Morello. I think, what? And then, I forget, oh, they did a tour together. That's right. Um, in fact, he as he started that story, the story begins, he says, well, the worst thing I ever found in my bunk, and I stopped him, and I just said, hold on, hold on, hold on. It's already, already a fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> what a great intro to a story, right? It's already better than any story I've ever told. And, and by the way, so like 12 people have walked on the moon. I've stopped Steve Earle mid-sentence. <laughs> Just to give you an idea. What's the greater I'm, rarity? I, well, I'm not, it's not for me to say, but um, I remember the road manager for Sean and Ah, the late uh, Pete, Pete Erlinson. He uh, once started a, a, a story in catering. So he goes, I was at this opium den in Da Nang. And I remember my, I mean, just chapter two, we're done. <laughs> we're done. Already the greatest story ever told. We're done. we're done. No great story starts with, I was eating a salad. Yeah, no, that's <laughs> unless you're in an opium den. Yeah. So, um, so anyway, oh, you know what? Uh, here's a lovely surprise. Now this is, this is quite self-serving the story, okay. uh, but so as I guess having a podcast, um, <laughs> Lucinda's, uh, husband and you know manager, this guy Tom, lovely guy. He surprised me one night. Uh, we were in New Hampshire, I believe, and uh, uh, complimented me on my record. Oh, I, just, I thought, how on earth do you even know about it's my that? favorite was revolution? Very, Check was it out. Very confused. Tallboy Records. He worked at Fontana at the time. Oh, which distributed it? Which did the yeah. distribution? That's right. And. and um, and he was very, very complimentary. He was he was so sweet. And I, it's almost like finding out that you had a past life. I've kind of forgotten so yeah. much about that time. Um, but it was really, really lovely to be reminded. And he was very, very, he was very, very sweet uh, about that, which was, that was yeah. a very nice. I found that recently I was going through, I'm trying to organize files on my computer at home, mm-hmm. music and photos and whatnot. And I found a bunch of photos from my flip phone, you know, my first, uh, my first cell phone. Mm-hmm. And 
the, the pictures are terrible. They're just like, it's like looking at Legos, you know. And so I have this picture though of your CD on the end cap at Tower Records. Really? You know when what? It came I have, out. Uh, I, in fact, I don't know if I was ever able to transfer it onto a computer or not. Uh, my first flip phone. There's, I that's the only picture I have with me and Stevie Wonder at the <sighs> K Earth Studios. And I don't know if there's, I don't know where that is. I mean, <laughs> so. Um, so anyway, so so we did yeah, so we did two weeks of that. We have this month off, and then the tour re- resumes, I believe, on August first in San Francisco. Yeah, so you're going to be doing some West Coast stuff. That's right, and I hope we just do as much as we possibly can because it's it's a real. real oh, that'd joy. be great. Now, is there like a there is a new Lucinda related release? Out. Yeah, with the uh, jazz saxophonist Charles Lloyd. Charles Lloyd, correct. Charles Lloyd, yeah, saxophonist Charles Lloyd, um, and. Uh, it's funny because, you know, Lucinda is such a magnificent singer, vocal. I mean, she's just so unique. Well, all three singers on this tour, obviously. Yeah. But uh, she does a performance of a song called Foolishness, which is just a real, I think it's it's just a real beautiful showpiece for her as a vocalist and as a front woman. Um, the bands are all fantastic. Great. Stuart Mathis plays guitar for her. He was with the Black Crows for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Uh, our, our buddy Butch is on drums with her, who I first saw at the Roxy in probably 2000 with Rufus Wainwright. Whatever year the Poses album came out. Ooh, so that means we have to put Poses by Rufus Wainwright on the playlist now? Just a reminder. Because I said so? Every mention of a song <laughs> or an artist is on this show. works? Yeah. I find some way to like, you know, if we mention a specific song. Former I'll... Glory, Ron Sexsmith. Now you're just taking advantage of the situation. Yeah, it just occurred to me I can do this. <laughs> you found a, a loophole in the law. No, but we do have a, a wonderful playlist that, uh, you know, if, you just, if you're doing some stuff around the house on the weekend and you just want to hear a lot of randomness, put this on and you'll hear, you'll hear some funny tracks, you'll hear some serious tracks. But everything was mentioned in some fashion on our show and it all ties together somehow. And it's a great way to learn... Um, about other artists and hear new material. And in fact, you know, I have to put this playlist together. So when Gene makes some references here uh, during the show, and I'm not aware of that name, I've got to find something to fit that name. And I'm jumping into music I've never heard before and discovering stuff that like, oh, hey, hey, this is kind of nice. And so I'm learning along the way. So if I can learn and I'm putting it together, imagine what you guys can pick up. Uh, And I, I think I've said before, I love watching people watch King Leg for the first time. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I was on this tour now. What I also love is watching people. Okay, so inside of Steve's band, the Dukes, is there's a husband and wife Duke. So Chris Masterson uh, is on, plays guitar, uh, and and he's brilliant. And his wife Eleanor uh, plays fiddle and mandolin and keyboards and sings harmony. And um, so as a, but they also work as a duo, Chris and Eleanor do as the Mastersons, mm-hmm. and we'll be hearing from them later in the show. Um, I love watching people hear Eleanor sing for the first time. Uh, she and Steve do. It's one of those songs that he did with Sean Colvin. In fact, and now I'm blanking on which tune it is, but you know, Steve sings the first verse. And then she steps and she sings the second verse and she's barely through the first line and people are already just applauding. They just mm. can't, they don't even let her get through the verse. <laughs> she's that great of a singer. Um, and she's a, a wonderful, wonderful musician as is Chris. So um, it's, it's always a joy to be around them. I don't get to see them nearly as often as I'd like to. And that's, what's been great about this, about this tour is getting just to spend getting time. just to spend time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, 
So anyway, those are some some tales from the road, if you will, uh, from the LSD tour. Uh, we love uh, them. And speaking of the LSD tour, back to the Mastersons. Here's a song from their album, Transient Lullaby. The name of the song is Don't Tell Me to Smile. I've been
That was Break My Heart from my buddy Brad Sample, a Very guitar nice. player. He's out of Nashville. Uh, met up with him at the Tortuga Festival in Fort Lauderdale during spring break, uh, whenever that was. Was that April? Something like that? Yeah. Uh, um, and uh, he was excited because he was putting the final touches on a record at the time. And so I uh, begged him 
uh, let us play <laughs> a track of his, and he did. Uh, so if you can, uh, look up Brad's sample and uh, find that new record wherever it's available. He didn't have too many. Also, uh, he does a great cover of Chains of Love, the Ryan Adams song. I actually prefer oh, really? Brad's take on it. Oh, wow. Yeah, so um, I'll, I'll share that with you, too. Wow. Or I guess that'll be on the Spotify playlist. I available. guess it will. Uh, you know, speaking of Ryan Adams, uh, I... I'd, went to a taping of the the vinyl guide podcast which is a, a pretty good rival podcast out there for you uh it's it's mainly aimed at music collectors vinyl collectors okay. um they've been around a little while but uh keith morris was the guest and this was a live taping uh outside of cream tangerine which is a record store out in costa mesa mm-hmm. that's basically the shop is one of those silver airstreams oh sure yeah you like walk into it and there's it's it's really cool. One of my favorite record stores in Orange County. Mm-hmm. But they did this taping on a Saturday night a couple weeks back. And Keith Morris from Circle Jerks and Black Flag. And uh, and, and he was he was a hoot. But he had this um, this one mention where, you know, so generally, you know, people will recognize me on the street and, you know, say, oh, Keith Morris, I love, love Circle Jerks, love Black Flag, you know, and fist bump and whatever. And he's all, well, that's all great. But, you know, that's. Doesn't, you know, doesn't pay my insurance. You know, I still got to, yeah. what, what he's looking for is like, I, I, you know, I need to be working and I need that, you know, I appreciate the thanks and I appreciate you bought the record when you're in high school, you know, right. 30 years ago, which I brought with me that night. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but he says, but you know what? There is one thing that really um, meant a lot to me in regards of uh, kudos. And he says, well, I got to do this thing for, uh, I was asked to do a, a DJ taping for the video game Grand Theft Auto. Now, I've never played this game, but I kind of know what it is. Mm-hmm. It's a game where you can, you're on the streets. I guess you can fight people and steal cars and, you know, you're living sort of a gangster life Great idea. in all these different cities. So every volume of this game that comes out is like, I think it's a different city. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? And part of that experience is when you steal a car or something, the radio, you can put on different oh, stations. Okay. The interactive so, thing. Yeah. By the way, that's why my video game called first class citizen never took off. <laughs> not as, not as much fun as an, as a virtual experience to just, yeah. So, so I forget which city it was that he was on, but, um, they asked him to be the DJ of this punk channel called channel X cool. and these channels, you know, they've got a funk channel, they got a rock channel, mm-hmm. they got all kinds. And there's great selections on all of these. So like the playlist, I've, I, there's a guy that I work with that's about 20 years younger than me. And he's telling me about the bands, the artists that he's gotten into from playing this game okay, because cool. he heard them on this radio station in a video game. Great. But so here's, here's the whole point of bringing this up is that um, uh, Ryan Adams like told him, he said, you know, I, I got the game, I got the new Grand Theft Auto and I went home, put it on. And I got really high. Mm-hmm. I turned the game on. First thing I do, I steal a semi. And I drive it all the way out of town till it runs out of gas. <laughs> and then I just put my feet up and listen to your channel <laughs> the whole way through till I heard everything. <laughs> it sounds good to me. I, mean, I, I don't know. It, it just seemed like Ryan's whole purpose was to, I'm getting this game because I know Keith Morris is a DJ. And that's all I want to hear. And I want to get out of the city. And I want to hear that. <laughs> he could do that in real life. Right, right. right. <laughs> I mean, you know, what, you know uh, it's so so. What? Do oh, and of course, it's related to video games because he's a big video game. He guy. is big, yeah. Um, so, what can you give me an idea of what tunes Keith? Do you remember? Yeah, it, actually, um, I think he he had a uh, uh, Rollins era Black Flag tune on there. Sounds right. Um, there was obviously some Circle Jerks on there, and I think 
I think the first or second track was Amoeba by Adolescence. Mm-hmm. Oh, and man. so, of course, this is all within the same week of getting the news, because even even Keith made mention of uh, just a few weeks previous, he had the, you know, the, the luck to, you know, be with with Steve. So we're referring to Steve Soto. Um, God, God damn it. Um, you were, Yeah, you you told me you, I got the text from you and uh, it was very sudden. Uh, his passing. Steve Soto was in a band called The Adolescents. He's also in uh, Agent Orange, which, uh, so here's my child. Okay, so I was grew up in Yuma, Arizona. Nothing ever came through there. I think Quarter Flash played there once. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm, hopefully they didn't start with Hard in My Heart because there's no reason <laughs> to stick around. Is that going to be on the playlist now? Yes. God. It's like, it's like, it's like a magic, it's like a superpower. <laughs> Like Super Tramp. <laughs> oh, the logical song is going to be on there. Of course, it's going to be on there. <laughs> I really got to listen to the show one of these days. So, and Amoeba. Okay. Yeah. So, but but Agent Orange came through. They played at the, the JCs on Arizona Avenue, which I could I walked to from my house, and I think it was six bucks to get in. I was twelve or thirteen. I was thirteen years old. I think it was the greatest. It was the greatest. And somebody for some reason shouted out Detroit Rock City, and they. They did a very half-assed attempt at it. <laughs> um, anyway, so I moved out here in July of 96 to, pl- to play with Russell Scott. And of right. course, Russell, we had a residency at Linda's Doll Hut in Anaheim yeah. every Thursday. Now, the very first episode of this podcast, you mentioned coming into the Doll Hut to, to watch Russell. And that's how we met. Mm-hmm. Do you have a bootleg of that night? I have several bootlegs okay. from the Dollhead. So and any of those, and I, but I seem to remember one where you started taping yes. from when you... Outside, yeah, because we were professional bootleggers at the time, yeah. so we would have the whole setup done sure. in the parking lot. So we get out of the car and putting the jacket on. We got the inside pocket that's holding the DAT recorder. We have the wire running up the sleeve or something <laughs> like, up to my collar. You know, like rerun in that episode with the Doobie Brothers and uh, Doobie or not Doobie? Do- or, or wait, no, what was it called? What it was. Really, uh, what was- Doobie or not Doobie? It really <laughs> should be. That's got to be it. That's if it. that that's wasn't it, I want to say uh, oh, it's so close. Good. Uh, anyway, so. If you have a recording of you, we're getting, walking up from the car. Steve, footsteps. Steve inevitably is on the. He was working because he worked the door. And he would come in and sit in with us. He would sing, um, what's the, there were bells on the hill. But I never oh, um, Till There Was You. Till There Was You, yeah. Um, which gave me a, a chance to play George's solo. The Beatles, you know, that was like. Yeah. And, uh, and then usually I saw her standing there and I'd have to sing the John part. I remember him sitting in several times. Yeah. Um, blown away. We just loved him. That guy and he and his and, and his roommate Greg Greg Batista and they had their '80s tribute band Flock of Goo Goos mm-hmm. with with now the depart with the departed uh, uh, Gabby yeah, from right. Manic Hispanic yeah yeah um 
they were just they were just all the greatest people. And 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 Steve and Greg had a house uh, down there in Orange County. And on Mondays, I think they would host kind of pool parties and stuff. And it was great to see everyone. And Steve was great. They'd break out trivia pursuit trivial pursuit cards, uh-huh. and the guy would just knock them out. He he just he was so well read and and just so lovely and you know he's I remember at the time this was in the nineties obviously so in terms of Orange County bands of course Offspring and No Doubt had just they were just massive they mm-hmm. just blown up and somebody at the party tried to goad him into some sort of negative talk about the Offspring I remember and he just wouldn't take the bait he said nope you know happy for them man he says they played all the same shitty clubs we did. They yeah. did all the bad gigs. They did everything that all of us, you know, is like anything else is sour grapes. It just doesn't come. It's like, there is no, there's no blame here. It's just, there's only so many bands that can get that big out of one, one area. Mm. Uh, and I thought that was, there was a lot of wisdom on his end yeah. to see it that way. And he just wasn't, I don't, he thought it was his nature to be a bitter person. And then, uh, uh, gosh, about almost 10 years ago, he started. He recorded a solo album too, uh, with James Aker producing. James Aker was a guitar player in Royal Crown Review, um, and James uh, lives not too far from here. And they did the album there. And James uh, and Steve, they asked me to come sing harmony on that record, which is a, a huge. I, I don't. I oh, still wow. not sure why they chose. I think I, out of the people they knew, I think I may have been somebody that they remembered as having. Uh, what's referred to in the movie High Fidelity as pop sensibilities. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember kind of coming in, hearing it, and I remember kind of approaching it from a kind of like early Petty and the Heartbreakers. I felt my role was a bit of a Stan Lynch singer behind Steve's Tom Petty sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Great, great records. Um, and I I just can't remember. I, I was racking my brain. I, I hate to say, but I think maybe those sessions were the last time I actually saw Steve in person. Uh-huh. Um which was, that's much too long ago. Much too long ago. So, um, but the guy was really beloved by a lot of people. He mm-hmm. had great stories about the Ramones. Because uh, the Ramones, of course, loved uh, the adolescents. But then in, uh, in the 90s, Steve was in a band called 22 Jacks. Right. And I remember one of my first gigs out here was we played the Doll Hut with them and Social Distortion. It was a mm-hmm. secret show that I think Adam Carolla leaked the news the night before on Loveline. Oh, wow. uh, and Steve uh, remembers waking up to a phone call at about six in the morning, which is not a time to call Steve. So <laughs> and it was someone from the doll hut saying, what's the worst thing I can tell you right now? He goes, I don't know what he goes. What if Corolla kind of said that the show's to, at the doll hut tonight? And Steve's <laughs> like, yeah, that's the worst thing. So they had to hustle out there that early that day. No police or anything. They just had to like yeah. turn people away already because people were going to start surrounding the club. Mm-hmm. Um, that was crazy. I remember somebody, I remember pulling up to the doll hut and there was, I just saw human legs sticking out of Through a window. window. Yeah. yeah you were ever, you there? No, you told me about oh, this though. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> and I remember going up because uh, we went after Social D and Mike's wife beater was hanging on my mic stand. It was just dripping. I was like, <laughs> ew. And of course, I like it. I was like, anybody want this? And of course, just this avalanche of women. <laughs> right. Come, you know, you could have put it on eBay. So, yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I have so many fond memories. And I, I uh, so my best to his family. Uh, he's very tight with his family. Uh, and uh, yeah, uh, thank you for. For mentioning him. Yeah, you know, if, for me, uh, you know, I, well, I saw a huge outpouring on social media about it. Of course, mm-hmm. 
being so close to Orange County, that's where the heart of it was, you know. Um, But for me, I I was never uh, a big hardcore. um, I never really listened to a lot of uh, Agent Orange or Adolescence. Mm -hmm. Um, I I had other punk groups I was really into at the time. I was certainly aware of them, and I was certainly seeing the flyers at Zed Records and Bionic and stuff all the time. But uh, I was aware of them, but I never got into them. So, and I really wasn't familiar with what they all looked like. So when I was waltzing into the doll hut with my bootleg equipment, that's big guy at the door. They got the right guy for the job here, you know, and I go in and I was so surprised when he was invited up to the stage. It's like, whoa, wow. Still there was you. So, I mean, he he was the nicest guy and I could tell he was super talented and that was my introduction to him. It wasn't through um, either of these punk bands. Now that you, I remember the very first time I ever saw him slash heard him, it was when I moved here in July and Russell took me down to the doll hut. We weren't playing. It was just a night off, but, but he just said, oh, you should, we should go to doll hut. You should just meet everybody and walked in and he, and Steve was sitting on a bar stool cause there's no stage. Right. He's in the corner, a corner on a bar with acoustic guitar singing the tracks of my tears. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like just. Just rip your heart out, stuff. man! I sure hope that uh, that Doll Hut documentary um, makes its way out. Yeah, what's it's the been, deal with that? I I don't know. It's uh, it's been in the works for a while and and talked about for a while. And I it's like that Van Morrison documentary. You know, you know it's going to be great when yeah. it comes out. So I'm curious what's going to be on there because I'm pretty sure Steve Soto was uh, well involved in that because I I had read that he was actually booking for Linda's for a while oh, as yeah, well. Yeah, absolutely. So he was pretty. Uh, pretty tight knit with the venue itself. Um, I, I, I can't, I can't separate him from that room. I mean, yeah. it's just, I mean, I'd seen him perform after that at the Hootenanny with Manic Hispanic and, and that, you know, just, that was always a treat. But like I said, that wasn't my, uh, his main focus on music wasn't my introduction to him. It was sure. this weird side <laughs> sure, thing, you sure, know, sure. weird gateway. But there was a thing I knew who he was aware of called Punk Rock Karaoke that was uh, uh, at uh, Alex's bar. Right. I never made it down there, but I was always curious to check it out or even take part. Well, you know, it, it's, it's that's a funny thing because punk, I mean, punk's been around long enough yeah. to have several of its own generations. Um, and, uh, you know, looking around... I just I see the punk references everywhere to, to the point where they're mainstream and you can complain about it. One, one, one could complain about it or not. I don't it, you know, but I mean, seeing uh, little kids with clash T-shirts or, or the black flag yeah. Uh, yeah. logo has yeah. been reappropriated in many different ways I've seen. And I don't I remember was telling you one. Well, actually, it was a day that John Doe and Exine were doing an in-store down here oh, yeah. in the neighborhood. Right. Yeah. Which I didn't know they were doing that. I just, right. my daughter and I were just walking up down this York Boulevard and I think there's John. I thought, what are you doing here? Um, but I remember seeing, uh, so like, I guess, she, I don't know, this girl couldn't have been more than 19 years old and she had, uh, oh, Misfits. I think it was a Misfits t-shirt. Oh, yeah. And, you'll yeah. Buy, and then I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm old enough to think like, man, get that t-shirt off. And I'm thinking, wait a minute. She could be like a massive Misfits fan. Much more than I am, mm-hmm. just because I'm aware and I was of age of when that. Be- it's like everyone has a right to be a fan of anything, yeah, retroactively or not. So instead of judging the person, just sort of like, or it's laundry day and that just happens to be the teacher. <laughs> I, I don't know, but um, no one owns these things. Yeah. Is my point. Curious thing is that you do you do see a lot of young kids wearing black shirts with that Ramon symbol. Apparently, you know, isn't that the there's mm. some 
statistic, like that's the most lucrative. The Ramones are the most lucrative. Yeah, probably. Merchandise. But you know what? Even if it's become if it's become a fashionable thing, to like, oh yeah, it's hip to wear that shirt, and they maybe have never heard the music. Maybe they pop into that record store to buy that shirt because they know it's there. But while they're there, maybe they see the CD or the album with that on it, and maybe maybe the the fashion pulls them closer to actually checking the music out because be. at some point you may have to back it up. <laughs> it's all, you know, it's all. You don't want people coming up to you saying, name three songs. Well, I'll tell you what's, what's worse was uh, Soupy, uh, the guy, right? Mm, drummer. <laughs> you know, thrift store back in the 80s sort of thing, had a shirt and it was like, uh, he's just wearing some thrift store shirt. He's on the road and somebody comes up to him, he's like in a store somewhere and this guy taps him, hey man, thanks for the work, you know, keep it up. And he's like, what? And he looks down and realizes he's wearing, it was like a, like an EMT shirt or something like that. <laughs> you know, like an emergency yeah. worker thing, like or maybe a fireman's, you know, had uh, a fire, it had a logo on it or something. And he realized, oh, maybe I shouldn't wear this shirt because <laughs> if somebody, if there's a serious accident, someone's going to assume. I can't fix that. Right, exactly. He <laughs> says, I got to be careful about this. So I'm just saying, I, that's not going to come up with a Ramones or a Germs t-shirt. There's not going to be a life-saving proposition. Right. To, okay, so... Um, so the... Uh, yeah, punk rock karaoke. Um, yeah, it was like... A, it was a band that... It was a punk band with legit guys from mm-hmm. several... Like adolescents, DI, you know, yeah. a bunch of others. And they would basically, like any other karaoke night, you could go up there. You just knew that many choose, songs. Choose, yeah, yeah, they know them all, right? Mm-hmm. You know, so you could choose your favorite and uh, you got a live band backing you up. And they're not just slackers. These are guys that that did it. And I I think Steve may have been, uh, Keith Morris mentioned this in his interview uh, for that other podcast that, um, you know, people may have been giving him a little bit of crap about, you know, doing this karaoke thing, you know, and Mm -hmm. where's the creativity in that and whatever. But, you know, I think at the end of the day, it was like, well, it's, it does pay the bills. It's something people are really into and we're playing punk rock. So, yeah. I don't know, man. I, I I don't know what rule it breaks. Yeah, because I I think maybe it's the whole punk rock thing is like going against the system. But now you're signing up to be the karaoke band. I for the the word the term karaoke band seems like an oxymoron. Anyway, right? We're replacing a machine. <laughs> right. Um, I, I'm reminded of another Steve Soto story. I'm sorry. I, they were playing at the Foothill in Long Beach. Oh, um, I love that place. I miss it. And. Some at some point during the show, somebody in the audience had a fake gun, like a toy gun of some sort, and they threw it on the stage. Gabby picked it up, held it up, and I looked like, "What the hell is oh, this?" Right, and tossed shit. it behind the drums. Just got like trucked it. Somebody made a, as Steve told me the story, he says his assumption is that somebody made a call. That hey, there's this band playing it, and it was we're on Signal Hill, so it's not the greatest neighborhood. Right, yeah. Uh, this the singer has a gun on stage, so the cops are there immediately, and they bust through the doors and they run onto the stage. I mean, this is a mess, and Steve's there with his bass, and this guy's, and, and I, this is the part I'll never forget, and I never forget it when I read the news, particularly. These cops come in. Guns are already out Tra- and trained on the band and the cops yelling, put your hands on your head first that. And so 
But he says, I am frozen stiff. I can't move. It's I just can't move. I can't even think because one second I was playing a tune and the next thing I know there's mm. a gun pointed at me. And, the, and he says, all I could do was just hold on. I just felt like holding on to my base. It's this piece of hardware I have in between a possible bullet in my body. Like I just can't let go of the guitar, right? Mm. And the cop has now changed his order to uh, don't hide your hands. Don't hide your hands. And so now Steve is just thinking, all I can think is hide my hands. Like I can't do the thing he originally, I'm just so frozen. And and he said, and so I remember thinking like this guy gave two clear instructions, by the way. And Steve had a hard time pulling it off. He eventually got his hands on his head and they searched and he said, these guys were not nice about the search. Um, <clears throat> but... I always think of Steve's story whenever I read or hear about in the news about um, someone who uh, is, is shot uh, by a police officer. And uh, not to side one way or the other on the issue, I, I, every case is different, of course. And, and, and nobody wants this incident to go down at all. Right. Uh, the, the uniformed officer uh, or, the, or, or, or the, uh, the civilian. But... Sometimes, you know, you read a, a news account of something and you, and you just like, well, why didn't the person just, or why didn't, why didn't this just happen? Why, why did, you know, whether we're talking about the, again, we're talking about the officer or the civilian. Mm-hmm. And it's a little hard. And I think about Steve's, I still, I always think about Steve's story of, well, I'm sure Steve up until that moment thought, well, if, if a cop, ever, if an officer ever told me to do this, I, I would just follow this instructions. Sure, sure. But but you don't know but. how you don't know how you react when there's a gun trained on you. Um, no one knows how they'd react to anything when they are in absolute imminent danger. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's another Steve Soto story that, that again just an idea of of, of how much the man will 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 remain with me forever. Uh, yeah. I know it's a weird turn, but that's just that's the depth of of um, a feeling I have for him. Yeah. He will be missed. He will be missed. Yeah, so good times at the Doll Hut. Um, speaking of uh, hot places, um, we temperatures reached uh, like 115, 116 yeah. out at the, at the new homestead recently. Yeah. And it reminds me that they've been, uh, I think the, the ice cream trucks have been doing extra laps through my neighborhood lately. Uh, the trucks, by the way, uh, I read something in the LA Times, uh, an article about the extreme heat, and yeah. they were talking to an ice cream parlor in South Pasadena. You can see the water tower. I can see it from here. Um the uh, girl that works there uh, says, uh, ironically, on days of like 112 degree weather, people don't come into the ice cream parlor because that means they'd have to leave their oh, air yeah. conditioned home in the first place. No <laughs> one's wandering in. So they got so take the ice cream to that's the people. That's why, yeah. So and you got Great a guy? Idea. Do you have a guy? We got a guy. Uh, I don't have his name. I don't have the name of the company. But generally, when they when they swing by, now they play loud. Um, oh, oh the, the 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 tunes uh-huh. like it sounds like just a. I don't know, refrigerator sized music box that's out of tune. And I think I think they've even got that going through an amplifier. Oh, it sounds sure. extra loud. You, well, you know, there's a there's a fine art to it. And mostly you'll see this in uh, <clears throat> experience this in, in Honduras, actually. Uh, daily, there'd be this uh, truck that would go by and it was a it was a recording of, of a woman's voice. And I think it was for people that need propane tanks for their stoves. Uh-huh. Like they, they would deliver them. So this truck would slowly go down the street and through that same, that tinny amplified thing, yeah. 
would be, you know, if you need tanks, come on out and just stop us sort of thing, right? It, it's Anyway, um, there's a specific tone to that crappy, <laughs> you know, and... and it's a, I think it's a setting on one of those Fender amps. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, probably Mark Rabot probably said it. All right, so, oh, you know, th- that actually reminds me, there's, a, I had read about this or heard about it from somebody, I guess, or... Um, there are ice cream trucks out there that play their music, but then when the music stops, there's like a child's voice that yells mom. <laughs> Creepy. Wait, what? I don't, I don't repeat that for me. Okay. So like the ice cream trucks driving through yeah. playing his music. Yeah. And when the, the tune, the tunes are short, when the yeah. tune ends, you just hear this kid's voice coming through the speaker, mom. And I think what that is for is to get the moms to like come out and see what's up. Oh, ice cream truck. Smart. Um, and my kid probably heard that oh. and I got to sell or buy some ice cream. <laughs> usually when the music stops, like an <laughs> angel loses his wings or something. Like Jim Morrison drops to the ground and that's <laughs> when the music's over. No. So, OK. So here's the deal. This ice cream truck in my neighborhood. Why are we talking about the recent. Well, it's, it's just really bizarre. Like normally they'll play these odd songs like happy birthday and take me out to the ball game. Are, are those public domain? Maybe that would probably. I bet. I bet that's why. Yeah, okay. Maybe. I, but I most often in my lifetime, I've always heard uh, La Cucaracha played through an ice cream truck like speaker. Ice in public domain. That's okay. and I've. I don't recall recognizing any other songs in my lifetime. It's just that ice cream truck sound. <laughs> yeah. But in my neighborhood, we're hearing "Happy Birthday" and "Take Me Out to the Ball Game." I thought, okay, well that's cool. They've got a different playlist they're working off of. Then this past weekend, they roll through, uh-huh. and I hear the sounds but it's a different tune and I recognized the tune and I stood there for two minutes carefully listening as the truck was cruising by three miles an hour and it dawned on me that the song they were playing was the games people play by Joe South (laughs) really yeah and I don't know why it's not public domain (laughs) no no maybe it's a reference to kids playing in the street Wow. I don't know, but it was like, I thought, that's actually kind of cool. From the ice right? cream guy. So I'm, I'm anxiously awaiting um, his next. Wow. Hey, trip uh, everybody, uh, uh, send in your suggestions on what the ice cream truck guy, what songs he should be playing. And I don't want the, that Van Halen <laughs> of the Top Jimmy reference, but we, I mean, just like, just think about it, people. You know, Bohemian it's Rhapsody good. would be pretty cool. Why? Because there's a lot of notes. Yeah, but there's no reference <laughs> to ice cream. They, they, no, come on. <laughs> So send in your, your recommendations and I'll drop them off to uh, my local ice cream or they'll, guy. Oh, they'll make a, it'll be a little sub playlist within the playlist. Right. The ice cream truck suggestions. <laughs> so speaking of new music, what do you have for us? I've got a brand new track from an artist named Greg Feldon. Mm-hmm. You may have heard this track on uh, The Affair uh, playing on Showtime. It's a track from an album called Made of Strings. It's coming out later this year. Uh, but this is the track that's currently making a splash. It's called When the Change Comes. Take us all together Take you on your own Will it be a thing of beauty? Will it be our overthrow? Just the same old lesson You should have learned so long ago When the change comes 
And that was Greg Feldon, When the Change Comes, from the new album Made of Strings, coming out later in 2018. I want to thank KG Music Press for uh, connecting us with that tune. Do we hear some people we know on that? We do. do who did you hear on it? I uh, I heard Brian Whelan. You did hear Brian Whelan. Guitar and backing vocals, of all people. He keeps cool. showing up on tracks that we're playing. <laughs> <laughs> also, Jerry Borger. Um, Borger. Borger. Is it Borger? Uh-huh. That's what I call him. And that's the thing. It's like when Brian. He just house sat for me. Right. <laughs> no, I'm serious. When we went to, um, we went to Honduras, he's, he, he watched that before. He, he's on the road now with Ziggy Marley. Small world. Yeah. Totally small world. So, But I wouldn't want to paint it. Oh. So yeah, check that out. Greg Feldon featuring Brian Whelan and Jerry Bourget. But yeah, there's some, a lot of great new music out. And since we last uh, chatted, mm-hmm. we, there's a lot of stuff that's, that's, kind of slipped by and we didn't have a chance to talk about it. I'm not going to go at length about a lot of stuff here, but um, Damien Hirado. Oh, wow. Yeah, of course. Brand new record. If you listen to, if you grew up, (laughs) if you listen to KCRW and not everybody does, but yeah, but his new record is just gorgeous top to bottom. So I recommend you check out the horizon just laughed uh, out now on secretly Canadian, uh, especially a track called over rainbows and Rainier. It's on the, the playlist. Uh, new album by Nico Case called Hell On uh, on Anti. Um, 
Nick Lowe is back uh, with yeah. an album, or not even an album. It's a two, it's a double seven inch EP on Yep Rock and his backing band, Low Straight Jackets. Yeah. What do, have you, run. you've heard this? The Heartbreaker. The yeah. BGs. That's the song. It's so good. It's so <laughs> good. But you know, I, the guy has just, he's, you know, it's, he's just never disappointed. Me. Right. Um, the, you know, um, I love, if I may, uh, Lake Street Dive, their album, Free Yourself Up. Yeah. Love that album. Mm-hmm. And uh, particularly the song, Good Kisser. If you're going to tell them everything, don't leave out the good part. Tell them the way that you broke my heart when you told me that you missed her. And it's great hook, funny lyrics. She belts. I mean, I just love the way she sings, man. She just belts it. And um, and a, and a kind of a kooky arrangement for a pop song. It really, really works. But that's a uh, that's one of the things I've been really, really, really digging. Also, there's a uh, a new release by. It's a weird collaboration, but I, I guess it's happened once before for the Train Spotting soundtrack. But Underworld and Iggy Pop. Mm-hmm. They've got a, a little EP coming out, a four-song EP. I think two of the tracks are already circulating now, but there's one called Bells and Circles that is, it's powerful because uh-huh. it's it's a, the backdrop of, of, you know, Underworld's sort of EDM style okay. with, with Iggy rambling over it. And his rambles <laughs> are poetic. And he's talking about the, back in the days where you could smoke on a plane and, and all of that. Put down my tray table. Snorted a gram of cocaine until I got up my courage to say, "Can I have your phone number?" And she gave me the number. That was the good news. But the bad news was I got too stoned and I lost the number. The stewardess would have been better than the cocaine. I made an error in judgment. And I just love this stuff from him more, probably more than any anything just straight up musical from Iggy. In fact, there's a track from a solo record he put out about a decade ago. Uh, there's a song called uh, Machine for Loving. And it's this sort of like Western movie musical backdrop as he tells the story of his dog dying and a new dog is delivered to the compound and compound. sits right by him. Right. He's got this <laughs> fenced off property. This new dog shows up to serve his purpose to be at his side. And by the end of the whole rambling, he explains that, you know what? No matter how ugly the person is, how mean the person is, how stupid the person is, the dog loves him. Dogs are machines for loving. Nice. And it's just such a... I, I get... I'm talking about it. I get goosebumps, yeah, right? Yeah, I see it. Yeah, man. Wow. <laughs> it's like a really powerful thing. And so like, the, I think as emanating from that, I love anything I've heard from him that's spoken word over any kind of music. Yeah. Well, he has a very, very low song. Yeah. yeah. Um, the joke is like, I, I could um, put my wife and my dog in the trunk of my car, come back an hour <laughs> later. When I open the trunk, only one of them's going to be really happy to see me. <laughs> That's just a shorter version yeah, of Iggy's story. Right? It doesn't involve a compound, but... I'm a dog lover. You're a dog lover. 
I, <laughs> you check that out. But that's not on this new release. Oh, okay. This new release, uh, I haven't heard the whole thing. Like I said, one or two songs are already uh, circulating. But the EP, the four-song EP, comes out July 27th, I believe. So go check out Underworld's website. They've got more information on it. I think it's going to be a 12-inch translucent clear record, too. <laughs> I don't think there's a CD of it. I, I don't think. Why would there be? I don't know. There is digital, though. But the other thing that... Um, that I know you're aware of and you've commented on oh, personally is yeah. uh, there's a new album in the works supposedly coming out this year from Clover. Mm-hmm. You've heard the track I sent you. Yeah, it was great. It's, uh, uh, so this is the band that essentially that existed and was in England, although it's musician, uh, uh, Bay Area guys yeah, right. uh, went to England in the 70s, try the luck there. And they're hanging out, and Elvis Costello needs to go in and make his first album, but he doesn't have a band, so they get these guys, Clover, to come in. Now, Huey Lewis was in Clover at Not the time? At that, I don't think he was at that he was time. In later? Yeah. Okay. So, but these, so, yeah. So these guys go in and they back him up on that first record. Um, and, you know, they, on the, one of the anniversaries of, of the My Aim is True album, they did a club gig, didn't they? Yeah, they reunited some of the members. Yeah, so surviving a. John McPhee, the guitar player, who we, who would later go in, uh, into the Doobie Brothers. Great, great uh, guitar player. A really good pedal steel player as well. Yeah. John McPhee. And uh, just the stuff he does on the song Allison is so lovely. Yeah, the one thing you pointed out, it was I, I didn't catch it at first, but there's a song called Mr. Moon that's yeah. uh, streaming on, I want to say maybe on SoundCloud. We'll post a link for that. Just a gorgeous song. It's a tune that Clover had recorded uh, and released on another album. But uh, Costello is singing the lead on this one. Yeah. So we get a brand new Elvis Costello track. And you pointed out that, <laughs> I think you even gave me the timestamps. You're like, <laughs> check this out at this point. Listen for that lick. They lifted that from yeah, the lick on himself. Allison. You know, it's yeah, he like it's one of his soul licks from Allison. Yeah. And I love it. I love it. I love, <laughs> yeah. I love it. Was, it was, so I know. can't not hear that now. And I think that's so great. It's just <laughs> such a neat trick. Well, it's the things that can't unhear. Uh, Leon Bridges new album uh good thing came back out back in may and i love the whole album mm. it, I, I love that he it doesn't sound like his first one he's kind of pushing forward with different sounds it's still a we'll call it retro soul fair yeah enough. oh yeah it's got a great sound um i love there's a i love the uh respect lyrically that he has for the women in his songs it, that jumps out to yeah. me yeah you wouldn't be embarrassed these songs will age well i think um, I, one of the songs, one that you hear on the radio a lot right now, I think, uh, is Beyond. Beautiful song. There's an acoustic guitar on it, and I don't know if it's on purpose or not, but it it's essentially echo, it echoes the guitar figure at the beginning of Into the Mystic by Van Morrison. Hmm. Um, even just the way it's recorded sounds like the acoustic on Into the Mystic. And, I, and whether it's a quote or not, it helps me love that song even more, yeah. um, that it has that. So, it, you know, I'd say, you know, just want to pay respect to the times when it does work really well. Yeah, that's cool. It's kind of borrowing the soul from Van Morrison, who was borrowing soul to begin with. Exactly. You know? <laughs> um, what, what else are you listening to? Because you've got a stack of vinyl, I think, you'd sent me a picture of while you're out on the road. And I oh, think it included those two artists. It, it included those two things and... Oh, oh yeah, and there was it, the funny thing about that stack. So yeah, there's there's Lake Street Dive. Is there any stacks you know, in there? Just, there was no stacks in the stack. Ah. 
So along with the uh, Lake Street Dive record, Leon Bridges, God, what else that guy? I know I got J.D. McPherson because there was an autographed copy of the album. <laughs> and I just, I would feel too awkward asking for their autographs, even though I, I could ask them for them because we've met and everything. But so yeah, though, I guess I got, that's what I got on that, on that run. So I'm also, so, and obviously Coco Hames, her, her album's out on Merge and it's called Coco Hames. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I've been listening to that, obviously. And Brad Sample's new stuff that the, from which we heard, uh, earlier in this episode. So that's kind of what I've been listening to lately. Now the, the one big one that I'd like to bring up is uh, it's a band that I've been into since, since their second album. And it's probably the one that most people recognize them from, but uh, Cowboy Junkies mm-hmm. have a brand new record out. And is this it, is, wait, I'm sorry. Is the Trinity Sessions their second album? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. White's off earth now was the oh, first record right. recorded in a garage. And it's like, a lot of blues songs, yeah. and I think even a Springsteen song or two on there as well. It's in Trinity Sessions, the second one, that's recorded in a church. Yeah, one day, one microphone yeah. um, in a church. And I, I just did a Q&A with Margot Timmons of Cowboy Junkies, and I asked her about that album because this is the 30th anniversary of that album's release. So I just asked, you know, what are your thoughts on an album that you recorded in just a handful of hours yeah. in a church with one microphone and then the work was done you walk away that's the album that puts you on the map yeah and it kind of gives you the the privilege to start charting your course from that point on career and uh yeah she's of course very thankful for it and and pleased with it and that was the album that got me into them in fact speaking of gateway stuff that's the first time i ever heard a song called sweet jane Uh, funny yeah that's um that was the thing about that record first of all about Trinity Sessions before we talk about the, but this is before Portishead, before Mazzy Star, mm-hmm. at least this sort of the very quiet, uh, moody thing, female voice, yeah, very evocative. That was very, very new to me, at least. I'd never heard anything, at least, and especially because it was, was uh, on MTV and VH1. Oh, was VH1 around yet? I'm just saying, but, but they had mainstream, at, I mean, Mainstream uh, media gave us access to the Cowboy Junkies, at mm. least. Trust me, because where I was, that was all I had access to. So, um, and I remember, and I, I remember, I think maybe some record reviewer at the time said any group that references Hank Williams and the Velvet Underground in the same move is a pretty knowing one. And they handled. I'm so lonesome I could cry and sweet Jane as if they were equally um, landmark songs. And, mm-hmm. and by the way, as a band didn't shift their tone and presentation whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Both of those songs sound like cowboy given junkies, their treatment, given sure. their treatment, as mm-hmm. you'd say, um, misguided angel may have been the big video at the time, but it was like, yeah, remarkably quiet song. And it really, it's funny, it seems as though, uh, I'm sorry, what's the, what's the brother guitar player? Michael. Michael, thank you, sorry. Um, always feel, I don't, I'd love to ask him, but it always seems like he had the amplifier cranked, but the guitar was down on yeah. like three. <laughs> it's about to explode yeah, and never does. Yeah. It, there's this tension, right? Um, and then I think it was, uh, so after that was Caution Horses? Mm-hmm. And then after that is, uh, and then after Caution, and Caution Horses, I really like the songwriting well, Michael discovers the minor four chord, and so all of a sudden it has this great, great uh-huh. new dimension. And then Black Eyed Man, I loved that. Th- that to me was like apex 
junkies. Um, but uh, but I'm, I'm glad that they... And, and Pale Sun Crescent Moon was really, really good. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I've just <clears throat> loved them. Their sound has uh, kind of expanded over well, the years. The way, they got a little more experimental. Their sound is very... Mu- I've known you for a long time and the stuff that you like. And I, and I don't know what informs what here, but whether it's Richard Buckner or mm-hmm. like if I hear kind of quiet, contemplative, moody, slow stuff. I think the word I, you always like to rib me about was sad. Okay. Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. A lot of sad. Sold. A lot of sad. Um, and I did, it's just like this, of course you love the town. Of course. Junkies. I, I had the hugest crush on Margot at oh, the so time too. And yeah. her, oh, her voice on this new record, just, she sounds identical. Oh yeah. The same. So mature and, and just gorgeous. And, and it's not failing in any way at all. Um, you know, the going, you'd mentioned some of the, uh, the early albums. Yeah. I had actually, uh, gone to see them, <laughs> uh, several times. Every time they came to town, I'd see them uh, throughout the nineties mm-hmm. and I saw them at the Wiltern once and I turned a friend of mine onto them. And so we went to the Wiltern and we're sitting at the very back on the floor. So it's like a fully, this, when it all had in, seats throughout the entire Wiltern, cause I think they've pulled the seats out on the floor at one time. I'm not sure if they've reinstated that. Anyway, we're sitting on the bottom, all the way in the back. And there I am with my cassette recorder, bootlegging Cowboy Junkies, which is like really tough on playback because they're so quiet. Right. And it's this tape's not picking up the nuances so much, <laughs> except for this one part of the show. It was during Misguided Angel. Uh-huh. You know how the song kind of comes to that end. Misguided Angel, love you till I'm yeah, dead. Yeah, all the instruments and then, And then all the instruments go, like they ring out that chord. Well, I'm bootlegging the whole show. That song happens. That part comes up. And then there's that little quiet spot just before the last chord strikes from everyone. At that moment, somebody sneezed twice. And it's perfectly captured on the tape because they were like maybe two rows from me. I just ruined that. But did they? <laughs> that's a, that's the trouble with silences in concert, <laughs> man. You can't because now it'd be a cell phone would have. It's gone not off like or that something. scream in in sad eyes. <laughs> that's, I was going to make that. <laughs> reference, but that's, that's a side pod. Like, so I was a big fan of of Dennis Miller uh, from Saturday Night Live. He had his own show on KTLA, and I would uh, I'd go to a few tapings. I actually got to catch the Mavericks. Saw Dwight Yoakam. Oh, cool. Around the time he was doing uh, Takes a Lot to Rock You, that'd be the... If There Was a Way album. If There Was a Way. Great album. And uh, I think Craig T. Nelson was one of the the guests at the time, too. It's just a fun time in the 90s. And then um, I remember watching a Friday episode where he would, at the end, announce who's coming up next week. And on this Friday, he says, coming up, starting next week on Monday, special musical guest, Cowboy Junkies. And I'm like, Super fan. Yeah, can I, I just stay I, here? I call the number and I say, hey, can I get it? Oh, it's full. Sorry, it's full. Huh. But I remembered that the two previous times I'd gone there. Um, well, like a standby line? They have, maybe? yeah, well, they got a line and then you check your name off on the clipboard. So I went there and I would just say my name and get in the line. And one time they, they didn't have my name on there. So they just wrote me in and said, <laughs> okay, go ahead and get in line. So I thought, 
I need to get Monday off. So I got, I arranged to have somebody cover my shift and I drove down there by myself on the Monday in the afternoon. I knew the routine. I knew what time to be there and everything. You're that guy. <clears throat> They're letting this massive line in <laughs> and then they stop two people in front of me. And I'm like, oh, I just drove all the way out here for what? <sighs> 10 minutes go by and they come out and they say two more. That's the two people in front of me. So now, so now I'm, I'm, I'm thinking they just found the last two seats and they just seated them. And because I tried to like, you know, Jimmy myself in on this list, yeah. of course, I'm the guy at the front of that line that doesn't get in. And then they came back and said, just one more. Oh, wow. <laughs> and they walked me in and they walked me down to the one available seat, which is front row center in front of the performance stage. Because <laughs> you know how they have the, the desks, the yeah, chair yeah, and the desk, and then they've got the performance sure. stage. I was front row center for that performance. Right. What song did they do? Uh, they did uh, Murder Tonight in the Trailer Park. Oh, yeah, yeah. They might have done one other. To Live is to Fly, maybe? The Towns tune? Uh, it, was, it was maybe Southern Rain, but it was definitely Murder Tonight in the Trailer Park because they had the lights going. Oh, it uh-huh. kind of looked like police lights. So the new album, though. The new album. All That Reckoning. All That Reckoning. Uh, coming out July 13th on Latent Recordings, which is the label set up by uh, Michael Timmons. Uh-huh. Um, Funny name, too. Latent Recordings. I like it. <laughs> um, the new record, though, is um, it finds Margot in fine voice, mm-hmm. and the songwriting is, is still top-notch. Um, it's a great group. Alan Anton, Peter Timmons, uh, Michael Timmons, and Margot. Um, the new album deals a lot with things today yeah and i know we've talked about how like that last drive by truckers record yep. is probably one of the best uh protest records mm-hmm. of the last several years and i i know for a fact we've turned some people on to that oh gratefully cool. um and a lot of that needs to exist and i like to see stuff like that pop up this particular record isn't necessarily a political record but it's in the mix no i appreciate uh that uh, 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 very gracefully handles various issues of the moment without re- not really clobbering you over yeah. the head with it. And it doesn't look like it's looking for any uh, sort of uh, mottos or slogans that can easily be thrown on a on a t-shirt right. on, on any given thing. Um, seems as though there is a concern in the songwriting mm-hmm. uh, um, and, but uh, you know it really wouldn't suit them to be heavy handed anyway because just the tone yeah. of the music as right. it is the way her voice is she's not a strident singer so it seems as though it, to try and keep it personal uh, or as person to person as possible I think uh, is, and that's what uh, well just the title The Things We Do to Each Other yeah a fantastic track that yeah. uh, just kind of addresses what uh, to me I mean it hits on a lot of levels but I mean I, I, I listen to this song and especially when that line hits it, it reflects on to me it reflects on a lot of what I see on social media and what's happened yeah. you know a lot of divisiveness yep. in the world and how friends have have turned on each other because of what they're trying to stand for, what they believe, or, mm-hmm. you know, there's definitely a, a, a divide that's happened in there and people are having a hard time pulling that down, pulling yeah. it away Thanksgiving's to keep, rougher to keep rougher. friends, <laughs> friends and, and yeah, and make those holiday dinners more <laughs> easier to yeah. deal with and stuff. But, um, it's, it's a, it's just a, it's a great observation and one coming from a band from Canada, no less. So th- the situation, uh, comes from, 
here in the States. Obviously, it's in the news all the time. And uh, they tour the States a lot. Yeah, Cowboy exactly. Junkies, they spend a lot of time here. Of and they've got a huge, huge fan base. And so they're living in the same world we're living in. Of course. We're all living in the same place, and we need to find a way to, to work it out. And I think these songs, um, some of them kind of address what the problem is mm-hmm. and uh, where we would like to be. The second track on the album called When We Arrive, I think, looks at this too and asks, uh, at the end, will we be holding hands when we arrive? Mm-hmm. You know, will we find that solution and will we have worked it out to where we're still back to square one, where we were? you know, as friends, as family, right. you know, where our strong points are. But besides that, besides the political aspects of things, this record is a lot about growing up and not just growing up as we've grown up in the last couple of decades and started our families, but, you know, these band members are in their 50s now. Yeah. And what they're looking at is where they're at in life. Mm-hmm. Um, Margot told me that this is an album that they could not have made until now, yep. just strictly due to life experience. You know, you start losing more people in your life. Uh, things in your life that you always felt were sure mm-hmm. are now being questioned. You know, you don't know what's safe. Um, you're raising your kids. You're trying to raise your kids properly and in an environment that's safe for them and to where they're going to be able to go on their own footing Mm -hmm. and uh there's a lot of struggles there's you know love over time relationships marriages over time um there's a lot of adult stuff here that they couldn't have addressed you know decades ago in fact the song misguided angel you know i I think i've read somewhere that margo has a, a hard time honestly singing that one because as a person she doesn't necessarily share the 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 character of that 20 year old maybe sure. that's singing you know um about wanting this restless individual that's dangerous that, per, that, that person is no longer attractive <laughs> yeah she's yeah, like more sure. i need security <laughs> you know <laughs> um it's it's really it's it's kind of an eye-opening um uh, that's array funny. of content that yeah. it's 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 not just taking a political stance it's it's a whole ball of wax of life at this age right now mm-hmm. and i really i really enjoyed um all those different aspects and at the, you know at the end of the day you're getting a beautiful sounding cowboy junkies record Absolutely. that just sounds so comfortable like you're just walking in yeah. i love that oh, by the way there's the there is the quote unquote classic cowboy junkie sound and tone going on here but there's also little lovely little flourishes little floaty pieces of electronica in the background things that just kind of keep it they're not overtly trying to sound all courant or anything like that they're just yeah. it's just it's just sort of little little touches of texture that really make sense they don't it doesn't seem very it doesn't seem forced at all mm-hmm. you know let's hear a track from this record the track that we were talking about just a little bit ago the things we do to each other so far from hate so if you get the folks to fear it only takes one small twist to kick it up a gear oh, oh. and you can control hate but only for so long and when you lose control other 
Cowboy Junkies, the things we do to each other from their latest latent recordings album, All That Reckoning. All right, just a reminder, you can find us on Facebook, The Jukebox Graduate. We've got a page there where that's pretty much where most of our updates are happening on a regular basis, almost daily. Lots of links, photos, and random information that you'll find valuable. Also, find us on Twitter at The Jukebox Graduate. That's The with two E's. The Jukebox Graduate for the latest updates and announcements. Uh, Also, our home site, www.thejukeboxgraduate.com. The Jukebox Graduate is available on iTunes, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, TuneIn Radio, Alexa, Google Play Music, Stitcher, Overcast, and more. Please stop in, rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you listen. Uh, Also, check out our companion episode playlist on Spotify. Uh, There's a link on our homepage, again, thejukeboxgraduate.com. Stay with me by the faces.
He just wanted to sneak one more in. So that's going to be at the very end. Actually, they won't be at the very end because the two quotes that we're going to be using, will, oh, yeah, those yeah. songs will go at the end. But oh, the, okay. the third from last song is going to be The Small Faces. So look forward to that <laughs> unless you're playing on shuffle. All right, Gene, let's thank some people. All right. I want to thank our sponsor, as always, Satellite Amplifiers. Find them at SatelliteAmps.com. That's yesterday's technology today. I also want to thank our friends the Mastersons for letting us play their track Don't Tell Me to Smile. That's on Transient Lullaby. See them at themastersonsmusic.com for all information. Also my buddy Brad Sample. Thank you very very much for letting us play your tune as well. And thank you Michael Timmons of Cowboy Junkies and all the folks at Latent Recordings. Also Kim Grant at KG Music Press. Hi Kim. Been too long. (laughs) All right. Time for the quotes? Time for the quotes. All right. I looked inside the ring we wear, and I read myself to sleep. I caught myself so captured there, deep inside those cavern eyes. Oh, my one, my one, you've broken me. I'm Dave Rayburn. I've got a 69 Chevy with a 396, fuely heads and a hearse on the floor. And she's waiting tonight out in the parking lot outside the 7-Eleven store. I'm Eugene Edwards, and this has been the Jukebox Graduate.